0: Wake up, America, before it's too late. The
1: Steve Day Show.
0: And
2: greetings. Happy Friday. We are live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Aaron McIntyre, Todd and Gone Today, making one of the most proud yet difficult journeys any daddy can make, taking another daughter, another sweetie. Uh, off to college. He'll return to us on Monday. Uh, we are joined today. We will be in just a moment for the day's group by two of our colleagues, both Oran McIntyre and Rob Eno. So we look forward to that. Uh, next hour, we will have a very special guest on the show uh, that you don't want to miss in lieu of Feedback Friday and a conversation that I'm sure will generate quite a bit of feedback. Uh, on ensuing Feedback Fridays. That's coming up in the next hour of the show. You know, one question I get asked a lot is what else to listen to. Um, And, you know, if you're a devotee of the Blaze, hopefully you're tuning in to Oran and all of our other great shows and podcasts, not just ours here on Blaze TV, and you're subscribing to his stuff. I mean, I'll just tell you, there are a few people in our business that I actually quote from in my own work. Oron is one of them. I mean, I think one of the most brilliant deductions I've, and observations I've heard the last few years is what he calls the total state. So I've stolen that myself. I try to give Oran credit whenever I do. I, I can't claim I've always done that. So if any of you think I came up with that, I didn't. That that was actually his. But another podcast you might want to check out, uh, particularly if you're worried about family issues, marriage issues, is the Refocus podcast with Jim Daly uh, over at Focus on the Family, one of the venerable Christian organizations of the last half century or so. Uh, they've been helping families follow their faith for well over 40 years. He's been president there for the last 20. This is a great resource to turn to. They help millions of people every single year. Go to the Refocus podcast where Jim talks to other experts and they talk about faith in a cancel culture, woke politics, the kinds of things that we deal with every single day. So check out Refocus with Jim daily on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. And now check out the day script. Your weekly look at the week that was begins, as it always does, with issue one, Bleep, Lord Nefarious Says.
3: I'm literally shaking right now. I was just getting groceries, and I live in San Francisco, and I never really feel fully safe. If you live in San Francisco, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And I just got groceries, I'm walking out of the store, and this guy is walking past me and says, move, you stupid bitch. And he spits in my face, spits all over my face. And then I say, excuse me, did you just spit in my face? And he says, move or I'll rape you. There's also people everywhere and everyone's just walking by because they're like, I can't handle something else in San Francisco, it's always something else. I don't even know why I'm posting this. If you live in San Francisco, do you feel this way all the time? I don't feel safe, ever. I literally never feel safe. It's better when it's daylight. But nighttime, no, not leaving my house.
0: To be perfectly honest, after three years of reflection, I was hoping for a little more remorse, regret, acknowledgement of some responsibility, uh, and less preaching.
3: Gender is like the inside filling of a donut. You can't tell what's on the inside just by looking at the outside. Let's take this jelly-filled donut, for example.
1: Usually donuts that look like this are filled with raspberry jam, but it could be strawberry or rhubarb. We just don't know. The same logic applies to babies. You can't know a baby's gender until they're old enough to tell you themselves. Sure, you can make an educated guess, but why risk being wrong?
0: One day, our children's children will read American history and can you imagine our reading that James Madison or Je- Thomas Jefferson tried to overthrow the government so they could stay in power? That's what we're looking at. We're looking at American history. This is a sofa clamp. Sometimes they call these forceps. Ooh, uh, And then fine. this is a curette, the loop-shaped one. OK.
3: Can I, is
0: there? Can there be a tactile
3: part of this? That just looks really cool. I'm sorry. Do you want me to let you touch the abortion tool? Can I touch the abortion tool? Oh my god! Sure. So, this is very
0: sharp if you put your finger. This is what latches onto the fetus's limbs. And see, it locks. I'm not going to
3: do it because it would hurt you. No, you can do it a little No, I'm not going to do it. What?
2: What was that? (laughs) Was that like a fetish conference with abortion?
3: No, put, it No, it was one of those uh, demonstrations. It was actually a pro-life group that came in. Just but to she's demonstrate, trolling them. But the woman, she's just trolling yeah, them.
2: Yeah, the woman with the tattoos and everything is trolling yep. the sincere pro-lifers demonically. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's what I mean. Yeah. Like she turned it into like a fetish conference. Yep. Yeah. Well, I probably just answered that, but let's ask this question anyway. Gentlemen, what was the
0: most vile and wretched thing that you just witnessed and why? Oran, I will begin with you. I mean, the last one's obviously the the easy one there to rather horrific to see her join that, but I would say Al Sharpton not understanding uh, what oh, the yeah. founding fathers were doing was, was a pretty amazing <laughs> moment on live television. <laughs> Can you imagine Thomas Jefferson revolting
2: government. against the government? Right. Goodness gracious. You could, like, if we wrote this, dude, if I went to, like, Regnery or Post Hill or some conservative publisher and said, I've got a book idea for you, and here's our villain, okay? And he says stuff like that. They'd reject the manuscript, Oran. They'd say, no, that's not true. It's not real. It's too one-dimensional of a villain. And yet, brother, here we are.
4: Indeed. Rob, you. Yeah, the the, the one... obviously that abortion one was absolutely insane and just crazy but I think the the other one that was just sad was that that poor woman that went grocery shopping and got spit on and everybody just walked by it's it's amazing when you've got friends um you know like I do that are on the liberal side that say, oh no no California is not that bad it's all blown out of proportion by right-wing nutjobs um what's happening in um cities like San Francisco it's not it's just It's depressing to see somebody talk like that, but then you think she probably votes for it. So
2: I'm glad you said that because I wanted to ask that question of our panel. Do we have sympathy for those in these cities that voted for this and are now receiving, as the scriptures would call it, the due penalty? For their decisions, do we have sympathy, or are we like we, we are sympathetic for you while also realizing that you are proving the laws of sowing and reaping, or are we just like zero sympathy whatsoever? Verdict from the panel.
3: I I have no I have no sympathy. And Which, maybe, if you've known
2: Aaron for five minutes, probably does not <laughs> surprise you in the least.
3: Maybe, but go ahead, yes. Maybe I should I, at an Imago Day level. I should have more, but I maybe not enjoyment i think that's when we get into unhealthy reactions that's
2: a good point yeah
3: not enjoyment you got what
2: was coming to you but
3: um no reaction because this is just as you said the iron law of the universe sowing and reaping so i i have no reaction
2: so we can completely confuse the audience let's go from aaron to Auron. Oran, any sympathy at all where are you on this question
0: I actually do, because I'm not a big fan of the franchise. Uh, liberals shouldn't be allowed to rule themselves. They're incapable of self-government. <laughs> I, I, Media I matters. Hold joking. on. Hold on. Time out. Media matters.
2: A-U-R-O-N. <laughs> right, right. I just Let's want sure the headline. You're going to say yeah. Day Show says liberals shouldn't get to vote. I just want to make sure that is attributed to the right individual. Go yeah, ahead. Send, finish your point. Send, so your ha-
0: send your hate mail to the right blaze inbox. Yes, yeah, yes, uh, yes. But, <laughs> But no, I mean, very seriously, like uh, I believe there are other videos of this woman ranting about how terrible right-wingers are and supporting all these left-wing causes. These people are incapable of maintaining civilization. They will continue to vote for their own destruction. And there's really only two options. Like you, you just can't have these people influencing your politics. So you either have to separate from people who are if they're going to have this kind of popular influence or they just can't be allowed to have it. Because obviously they're going to continue to make these decisions, even while crying into the camera about the inevitable consequences of what they voted for.
4: Mm.
2: Rob, that was well said. Rob.
4: Well, well, first at the home office, they're going to be happy to know that Aaron and Aaron are two different people. Yes, they get confused a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we get confused all the time. And that's a McIntyre with an M.A.C., not M.C., if you're sending it to the blaze. for a comment (laughs) um i I should keep the media matters thing going and say repeal the 19th is that what i'm supposed to say but no
2: um only landowners are voting that's the new blaze slogan (laughs) (laughs) only landowners vote go ahead rob go ahead Um, but no
4: i i I do feel you have to feel sympathy i mean people are human beings but at at some point they have to learn that this is what they're voting for when she voted for the radical nut job Um, Mm -hmm. you know, D.A., this is what she got, right? Wasn't there a, I think it it was D.C., one of the prosecutors in D.C., I think one of the local prosecutors, there was some person that killed somebody but had like 80-something cases that kept getting dismissed. Um, that person should not have been on the streets. Look, I'm, I'm a big criminal justice reform. I think we put people in jail for way too many things. I'm a very libertarian person. I think to see a heck of a lot of the laws that we use to put people away, gone. But, you know, there are some people that should be incarcerated. Um, and I think we've gone the other way. And then for places like, you know, I, I still go back to the, the 70s and 80s. I mean, when we were kids, Steve, there were there were insane asylums. For lack of a better word, there there were mental hospitals that were government mental hospitals. That there are some people that do need to be taken care of by the state, and they're the extremely mentally handicapped. Um, and most of the the homeless crisis, and interactions like this stem from that. Um, and it's something that maybe we need to take a new look at. And, and it was you know Republicans that wanted to save the money, and Democrats that didn't want to treat people badly, quote unquote let's get to the
2: exit question on a scale of one to ten with one being how secret service agents how many secret service agents Joe Biden remembered being with yesterday and ten being how many secret service agents Lindsey Graham would like to be with right now
4: obviously ten female secret service agents right y- yes that, that's what that, we're going to go with Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's rank this attitude.
2: week's level of total depravity, Rob go ahead yes
4: I'd say I'm going to just always say a five because it can always be worse.
2: I love the libertarian who says it could always get worse. That's awesome. (laughs) Go ahead, Oran. Go ahead.
0: I'm definitely going with 10, and I appreciate that it's always a Lindsey Graham reference. (laughs) Always.
3: Uh, I'm going with a 10 as well.
0: Folks, our friends over at Samaritan
2: Ministries um, want to help you with your medical and health care needs. Uh, they connect hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation uh, to help you come together through prayer, encouragement, financial support. When a medical need arises, it's not insurance, so you're not limited by restrictive networks. You don't have to check and see if that hospital is in your network. Um, you can go to the uh, the provider, the, uh, the, the health care institution, the doctor you want to go to. You're in control of your own health care. And then afterwards, fellow members, they'll pray for you, send money directly to you to help you pay your medical bills. And when they have a medical need, you'll do the same for them. I mean, this is acts to an action. That's what biblical health care sharing looks like. You can check it out today at SamaritanMinistries.org slash SteveDace. Again, you want to head over to SamaritanMinistries.org slash SteveDace. One more time, SamaritanMinistries.org slash SteveDace. All right, I wanted to make sure we had plenty of time here for a... Uh, well, what we just talked about was serious, but a topic that I think we need to address se- more seriously. Issue two Do we really believe they intend to throw Trump in prison?
3: Donald Trump was arraigned in Washington, D.C. late last week, this time on charges related to his actions in and around January 6th of 2021. The latest indictment and arraignment, of course, is essentially an attempt to criminalize political speech. But Trump attorney Alina Haba didn't do many favors to dispel the allegation that Trump's inner circle did believe and told then-President Trump that he'd lost the election. Well, I think that everybody was made aware that he lost the election, but that doesn't mean that that was the only advice he was given. As anybody understands what happens in the Oval Office, there are a numerous amount of advisors and politicians and lawyers, not just one or two, that are giving you advice and telling you what they believe is true. So he may not agree with Mike Pence. He may not agree with one of his lawyers, but that doesn't mean that there weren't other people advising him exactly the opposite.
2: All right. So... I want to open this conversation up, gentlemen, with my own... I was going to use the word transition. Um, uh, Evolution of thought, I guess, on this. So, I think it started off for me. Is this about getting him the nomination because they think they can beat him? Because you saw his poll numbers and funding and everything take off. And then it got to me, well... Maybe that's some of it, but I, I really think that it's pretty clear here now that they're going to throw him in jail. And I've been saying to the audience on this show for a year that because I've been following what's going on with January 6th, that he's doomed there. I, I, I mean, he's going to be you know, guilty of being Donald Trump on a sunny day in Washington, D.C. And and then I saw the trial schedule that Jack Smith proposed yesterday, which I believe the judge will grant because the judge that Trump is up against there is a complete activist, and she has on several occasions instituted harsher penalties against January 6th than even Merrick Garland's DOJ were asking for. And so if you look at it, he wants to put Trump on trial right after the first of the year. Estimates the trial would last four to six weeks. Probably takes you up to about the first of March. That's traditionally Super Tuesday. And, and now I'm, I am of the belief now... And our old colleague here at the Blaze, uh, Chris Pandolfo, who left us a, a few months ago to go work, work at Fox News, he was <clears throat> he was texting me uh, yesterday about this and asking me, you know, so what do you think their plan is? And I just texted him back: Revolution is the plan. I I, I just think I don't I don't think I just think revolution is the plan. I, I I believe they intend to throw him in prison by hook or by crook, and I think that's even more important than some form of. Geopolitical let 's get the guy that with the the allegedly our poll show has the highest negative i i don 't think there 's that level of nuance here. I think this is just a marxist rage machine, and I think you 're just watching a Bolshevik revolution and we 're at the stage of the late stage republic now where we 're just going to jail our opponents and and if i 'm first of all, I want to know <clears throat> do you guys agree or disagree with me on this and if you disagree, you can take the conversation where you want it to go if you agree then i think we need to discuss how then how that does play out politically because i think a lot of our people are still looking at polls and reacting to the system and process as if this is all just going to go on the way that they are accustomed to and i no longer believe that so oran i'll begin with you go ahead
0: yeah i mean i generally agree with you i think that the smart thing to do obviously would have been to let this kind of slide right that you've You've pushed the system to its limits. You've made the question, you've made everyone question the credibility. Uh, Many people on the right no longer believe in the the security or sanctity of elections given what's happened here. The smart thing to do would just kind of be to lay low, to not stress the system any further. But it doesn't seem like they're capable of stopping themselves. And I think they will go ahead and continue that momentum. Even if the original idea was simply to wound Trump and make it hard for him to get uh, elected by a wider uh, percentage, of the population, I think at this point, they fed too much into their own machine. They're going to go after him. So in other words, the momentum is going, baby, right? I mean,
2: we are, we are going to have the October revolution. Maybe at first we were just going to, you know, it started off just pinning, it's just nailing some thoughts to a, to a wall in old McDonald's farm. But sooner or later now, the animals are, th- that momentum, you believe, Oran, is just too, they're not going to stop themselves, as you said. That momentum is now ingrained.
0: Yeah, not not to nitpick language here, but I think what matters uh, here is actually that this is not the revolution, this is the Hmm. counter-revolution. The Uniparty was in charge. The Uniparty had control. It was supposed to be Mitt Romney's and Jeb Bush's from here on out. Trump and the populist wedge that blew open GOP containment is a huge problem for the regime. You can tell from the way they now scream and squeal at any amount of MAGA, any amount of people who oppose the war machine, oppose the biomedical security state, there, there's a serious problem uh, with the containment portion of the right that was supposed to be in place here. It's been broken wide, and whatever you think about what Trump did when he's in office and all those things, he was the the, the initial wrecking ball, and he has a lot of personal momentum, a lot of personal support because of his role in that. So, so getting rid of Trump is not the revolution; it's the counter revolution. It's there to control the insurgents from those on the right who realize that something was wrong and something needed to change.
2: That's a good quibble. And I stand corrected. That's a very good distinction and important. All right, so Rob, this is where you come in. I've still, we still haven't, even though working at the blaze, we still have not cured Rob of any of his libertarian streaks yet. We're working on it, however. And Rob will come in with his liberal friends and tell us all we're crazy and nuts that it's not really, that's not really the plan. Is that what you're going to tell us, Rob? Because I don't think you no, are. No, it's
4: you? obviously no, it's obviously yeah. 100% the plan. They're, they're they're going to put Trump in jail, but I just don't think that anybody's going to rise up over it. I just think that see, people I, I don't just, either. But go on. Go ahead. I don't either. Go ahead. Yeah, I I think that, you know, people will say, oh, look, they proved that he broke the law and that he should go to jail for saying that the election was rigged, Um, whether or not it was. But because he said it um, and some people did some things um, on January 6th, where for the first time uh, since the dawn of the republic, the public wasn't allowed to witness um, the events of January 6th because of COVID, right? I think everybody forgets about that, that normally you would have been allowed into the gallery um, or onto the grounds of the Capitol um, on the day that you know, the, the electoral college votes are certified, but because of, quote, unquote, the COVID emergency, you weren't allowed into the Capitol to redress um, your government for grievances, right? So, I mean, there, there was all, also that, which I think is a big part of why January 6th um, happened. Um, If there were some, you know, other ways to let off some steam except for being in a totalitarian state for the previous eight to nine months, um, it might have gone a little bit differently. Um, But, yeah, they they, want to put him in jail, which is why they're trying. I mean, I know they know they're not going to get him on the documents case because it's down in Florida and they're not going to get the judge. The
2: judge is the judge cannon doesn't seem to be playing down there. And right. it's, it's not going to be hard to come up with a couple of freedom. You can in that even in that jury pool, they can come up with a couple of people to twelve angry men. That jury, these people don't exist in Manhattan. They don't exist in Washington D.C., and I think it'll be very difficult to find them in Fulton County, Georgia, where you can't just go through a blanket pardon process uh, under Georgia under George, Georgia law. And a lot of people aren't talking about that. But um, Aaron, what do you think?
3: Yeah, this is this is their end game, and I mean, if you're. If you're looking at the election, that's a you know that's a separate issue from what we're discussing here. But this is like Donald Trump's chances playing this out, which I know is what we're going to talk about here, are like Doctor. Strange and Infinity War trying to th- see all of the different scenarios to reverse what Thanos has done. I mean, it's just very, very uh, remote because of because of the hell that this could unleash, the butterfly effect of what this could unleash. And so, th- they are bound and determined, and I, I hope Donald Trump and his counsel in D.C. call as many witnesses as possible, subpoena as many people as possible during the discovery yeah. process, but it does, it's not going to matter.
2: that The judge will limit a lot of that, though. Yeah. I, I, if I were the Trump attorneys, this trial I, is really, I am doing the trial before the Supreme Court right now. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yep. I I mean I mean my, my my audience is not the jury box in Washington DC or that judge. I I I am trying to create a, a a case. I've got to make a case so strong perceptively that John Roberts can't screw me. I've got to make a case so wrong perceptively and so th- th- I've got to make the case they're so wrong perceptively that Amy Coney Barrett can't ghost pistol me like she did this week. I've got to make a case so strong perceptively that Brett Kavanaugh can't write the opinion that saves Obamacare agree or disagree with that, that the target are those three justices, because that's where this is going, and the target are those three justices who, are, who have shown since they've gotten on the court, they have essentially exhausted all of their... Kavanaugh and Barrett exhausted all their political capital, overturning Roe. They have sided with the liberal justices a majority of the time overall since they've been there, actually. And we all know Roberts is an institutionalist at, at his heart. And so they've got to make a case... I think Trump's attorneys do in this trial, that this is so obvious that there's no ground underneath Roberts, Barrett and Kavanaugh for two of those three to flip and 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 say, we have to uphold our norms, agree or disagree on that as a strategy.
3: I think that's the only I think that's the only strategy that that that's going to, to work, I think, in the long run for Trump. I mean the other the other problem here for him, and this has been discussed uh, ad nauseum, is can he last? Can he last to the Supreme Court funding-wise? That's another problem because you know after after the trial in January, probably an appeals pot process getting up to the Supreme Court. Who knows uh, where in the timeline we'll be there? But yeah, that's that's basically your only strategy, and um, that I would not trust ACB. John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh with my life, I don't know if I'd trust them with Trump's life either.
4: Everybody, Anybody else? Rob, you want to chime in? Go ahead. Yeah, it, it, it's the only strategy is to get to the Supreme Court. That's where this is headed um, with the conviction. And in, if the lawyers are smart, they're going to try and appeal rulings pre-case to the Supreme Court before the actual case happens, right, mm-hmm. to get a trial to not happen. Um, I think we'll see some of that as well. Um, but it, it's it's the, the the one that's going to be really interesting is I think the Fulton County one because if they actually go and use RICO statutes for political action, um, that's just going to open up a can of worms. I, I don't know if I've told you before, I, I was the the subject of a campaign finance investigation in Massachusetts, and if they could have thrown RICO statutes on us for being you know the the temerity to get a couple of Republicans elected in Massachusetts, I'm sure they would have tried to do it right? And and that's the one that scares me the most, but it's also an opportunity. You know, as Glenn had in his special um, on the Biden corruption, the, if, if Hunter did anything or the Bidens did anything in Georgia in any of these other Republican-led DAs, if this guy goes and brings a case based on RICO charges, if there's not another DA that does the same to a Democrat, then we don't know. We, we don't know how to fight. If they're going to open up the the book, it's just time to go give them their own taste of their medi- own medication. And I don't think that they think that that could happen because I think that Republicans overall are going to do the, you know, we have to upkeep our norms. I agree. Um, that, that, that's what the
2: that's really what the impeachment of your AG down there in Texas is about, Rob. It's not really right. about him calling out your drunkard speaker or any questionable associations he may have. It's really about that Ken Paxton, whatever, and I don't know him. I've never met Ken Paxton. I don't know if he's a good human being or not. I'm just looking at for this from 10,000 feet politically. It's a He does understand the tit for tat of politics. He understands there must be mutually assured destruction, that if they send one of yours to the hospital, you have to send at least one of theirs to the morgue. They don't want that example to proliferate. So he's got to get taken out so that institutionalists remain And we say so basically Jonah Goldberg's attorney generals um, and district attorneys are what remain. And they we continue on where they can do anything they want to us. And we never respond. Oran, I'll give you the last word before the exit question on this here. You got about a minute. Go ahead.
0: No, I agree with everybody else. And you, I think this is the only strategy. I mean, the key here is that the system has to be on trial at every point. Right. Whether he wins or loses this, what we're moving towards is a formalization of understanding what's really going on, that at least at the federal level, America is a one party state. It has been for a while. The justice system is entirely politicized, both in the courts and through uh, its, uh, its application through the Department of Justice. And the more that we can make that explicit and clear, the more people can understand where we're at. That's not a bright future right away, but it is something that allows people to understand what they're grappling with rather than pretending that there's actual pushback here exit question do you believe there is
2: a critical mass of persecution that could be done to donald trump that would finally get normies who have shown they're not really fond of him the last few years to finally wake up and say this has to stop now rob
4: no just simply no i I don't think that i think that people want the whole, the, the, the people in the Republican Party that don't like Donald Trump just want the whole thing to go away. Um, if it involves put, putting him in jail, then it involves putting him in jail. I, I don't think that there's anything, um, because if there was anything, the entire COVID tyrannical state wouldn't have happened, right? I mean, we we've shown that we will just, roll over as a people so that, I don't that's the thing you're
2: this is the thing I, I i just don't understand why people that don't like donald trump will suddenly care more about him than they did their own kids they let them terrorize their children during covid and did nothing and then afterwards I, they didn't ask him they didn't go back and get justice after the fact they just wanted to move on for goodness sakes if you want to move on from them terrorizing your children i i, I you probably just want to move on from donald trump or on what do you think
0: I think the answer is probably no. Though I would say that there are the normies, or in this case, I guess if we're talking about the Republican base, is much more aware of what's going on than I think most of their leadership and even many in their pundit class. So, uh, but if you're talking about the normies in the sense of just people who didn't like Trump still and are going to continue, no, I don't think so.
3: Aaron, no, just to channel Todd since he's not here, status quo is the status quo until it's not anymore, and the status quo for normies is staying asleep if we are all right about this to some degree then i i i
2: just think it we have to and we don't have time to get into this right now and and we will have to reassess how we are dealing with politics and elections and things of that in this election frankly i mean if we are at that point now that they don't have to risk any blowback and they can do whatever they want to him and he is the leading candidate perceptively and they just take and take him off the board if they want then what is plan b we just let you know the rnc run you know asa hutchinson mike pence i I mean i just this has been my struggle through this is connecting dots and saying things well then don't we understand what that will mean moving forward if those things are true But that will be a conversation, it appears we all agree, we will be having in another day in the not-too-distant future, unfortunately. One of the reasons that we are having conversations like this is because the most important cultural institution in any culture and in God's economy has failed this culture and is failing it in real time. Uh, We will get into that conversation here when we come back. If you are looking for some outstanding earbuds that have the tightest fit and the best noise isolation I've found yet on the market, look no further than our friends over at Raycon right now. They come with a 30-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. If it turns out this is another thing I'm wrong about, they'll give you your money back in 30 days. They've also got a 32-hour battery life that includes eight hours of consecutive playtime, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really long time. I mentioned the custom gel tips for the most comfortable in-ear fit, and they start at about half the price of premium audio brands. Find out why they have so many fans, so many five-star reviews, and you can save 15% right now at Buy Raycon R A Y C O N. R-A-Y-C-O-N, buyraycon.com slash Steve. Create your own soundtrack at buyraycon.com slash Steve. Get headphones, earbuds, anything you want in the store. 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash Steve. Gentlemen, we have some breaking news just since uh, we went to break. And it goes right to what we were just talking about. And I think we should address it. Uh, Just uh, five minutes ago. Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland announced that um, he is appointing a special counsel to oversee the Hunter Biden case moving forward. My my immediate reaction and response to this, this was the last perceptive loose end to tie up for normie approval of arresting and convicting Donald Trump. And and so they'll hey We've a, we've got a special counsel. We've already him to plead guilty to something. We'll get we'll get him for more things. That, that's why I also don't think whatever Biden's approval numbers are going don't matter. They're they're not going to put Trump on five trials and then just sit here next October. And they're going to be like, let's hope Biden doesn't fall again. I mean, you know, the, the pieces are in place. The wheels are in motion uh, here, Gandalf. And I think that this was the last loose end to tie up for normie approval to do whatever they want now, to do what thou wilt. That shall be the whole of the law where Donald Trump is concerned. And so I think that this, that's my initial read. Agree, disagree, have your own, and then we'll move on. Go ahead.
0: No, absolutely. It'll- I think this is this has been uh, very likely for a while. Like you said, this is the most glaring and obvious corruption, one-sidedness of this whole thing. And so, you know, Biden himself ultimately doesn't matter to the machine. He's just a placeholder. He's a geriatric a placeholder doesn't know where he's at if and they're not even going to probably feed him to it they're just going to feed his his openly corrupt son to it to make sure that it, you know it seems balanced when they go in after trump so yeah i think that's a good read
4: rob and, and the other thing about this is you know yeah they did a special counsel, so it'll take a year and a half before anything happens which will be after the election right so yep. if they want to keep biden yep. um they'll keep biden around so it just it it delays what should have already been done. So if somebody at a state level tries to do something, but oh, but the feds are looking at it. So you really shouldn't do anything until they take a look at it. Um, but you know, I, I've been of the, I've been of the thought that they're actually trying to find a way to get rid of Biden before the next election because they know that he is an albatross and that he probably won't even know where he is, um, and it'll be harder to, to hide that by the next election. Um, that you know, somebody like Gavin Newsom um, or something like that is going to be. Uh, their nominee, and I think you see Gavin Newsom starting to make those, those moves. So I, I'm still the opinion that, that Joe Biden won't be the nominee, and this is just another way to get towards that. Aaron um, and to Joe. Oh, yeah.
3: Pardon me, Rob. Aaron. Yeah. So, biggest losers in all of this are congressional Republicans who, um, who will have to find their uh, newest clickbait elsewhere. Uh, so they are the biggest losers because pointing a special counsel uh, basically nixes congressional investigations into this. So uh, there's that as well. I mean, it's it's the perfect play from the system.
2: Yeah. If Especially because, you, you know, you, Republicans will not do the one thing that would work to fund the DOJ. If that's you
3: want to so. get rid of D- Biden's, you can hang Hunter. If you don't want to, you take this out of the purview of the Republicans yep. in Congress.
2: Yep. Game on or checkmate. uh, folks, it's the dog days of summer. Make sure you are ready to go with our friends over at Sweat Block. It's their antiperspirant wipes. That's kind of the OG. That's what got them started and on the map. They do a great job. If you struggle with excessive sweating, maybe that's just because you're hot-blooded like me or uh, it's a stressful situation, a first date, a job interview. Those antiperspirant wipes absolutely do the trick. They've got a deodorant stick that is uh, next level. My personal favorite, the deodorant lotions for some of the more uh, sensitive Regions they can get swampy this time of year, Uh, those are fantastic as well. A lot of products they have are fantastic, and they all work to stop your excessive sweating and sweating through your shirts, your shorts, and everything else. Go to sweatblock.com right now, use the promo code DACE to get 20% off. Sweatblock.com right now, promo code DACE for 20% off. That's sweatblock.com, promo code DACE for 20% off. All right, let's get to issue three
3: what in the literal hell? is this This clip from a sermon of popular pastor and author Matt Chandler resurfaced this week and it's a doozy. One of the firms that's helping us find men said, "Let me ask you a question, Pastor Matt, if if we find an Anglo 8 and an African American 7, which one do you want?" I said, "I want the African American 7." And he said, "What if we find an Anglo 8 and an African American 6?" and I said then give me the Anglo 8 because the African American 6 will look and feel to our people like the kind of tokenism that I'm preaching against but it's another opportunity for us to find and give power away in a way that's not paternalistic but man we see in you the capacity to lead and love and shape and we want you
2: um people ask me guys why do so many Americans today turn to politicians instead of the church. And then I, I turn myself and, and look to see what inhabits many of our pulpits. And I just go ahead and perform the Heath Ledger Joker pencil trick on myself without answering. I don't have a question. I am just ashamed.
4: Whomever would like me to talk.
3: Rob, I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective on this.
4: As, the, as the, the, the corporate agnostic? Um, yeah, no, it's, um, it, it's just, I, I didn't know what he was talking Was he talking about finding a new pastor for the Hold church? Hold on, no, or no, 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 no.
2: Rob, he doesn't know what he's talking about.
4: Okay, because I thought maybe it was, you know, women. So he was trying no, to no. find somebody. What women, he's, what so he's talking going, about like,
2: is I'm a white guy up here wearing a $300 polo shirt and, I'm, I'm, and white guilt and, and showing sympathy, using phrases okay. like returning power, okay? That, none of that's biblical. None of it is. It's a, well, it's right. another yeah. gospel. Okay. It's not the one that he was called
4: to preach. I mean, I'm the one that grew up a Catholic, so I just get confused with churches that don't have, like, big statues behind them um, and <laughs> things like that. So it's um, in rock bands and stuff like that. So it's just, yeah, that, that was just, I didn't know what he was talking about, which I guess is the reaction you were trying to get, because that made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, you know, I thought maybe it was... You know, plenty of fish, or some sort of new dating app, and trying to get figure out which people, way people were going to swipe, or something. So, yeah, I am utterly confused.
2: Here's the thing, though: Oran. people could say, "Well, that's just one." I could do this with a clip from one of these guys every day. Every day, we could we could have this exact same conversation of what comes out of our pulpits. This kind of garbage every single day. There's a, a there's an account on Twitter X, Twitter X, wherever the X it's called now. All right, uh, woke preacher clips that does this just accrues these clips and distributes them on a daily basis. It's a freaking cancer.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, the morality of the left has just infected everything, even institutions that should be completely resistant to it, like the church. And they find that preaching the leftist social gospel is far more important to them than preaching anything from God's Word. And we just see this. it's it's inculcated in what is very obviously here an anti-white bias, which is unfortunately uh, prominent in many of our institutions across the United states. it's it's, built into what these people just kind of their base morality of we have to choose people we have to select people uh based on their race that has to be the first concern in it, of it and of course the the people that need to be held down or of one skin color and people who need to be elevated are another i mean you hear what he said there you know the the problem between a, an eight and a six and in, in his terms here is not that he would be preferring someone based entirely on their skin color it's not that he would be harming the white guy who is more uh, qualified and elevating someone who's not qualified based on their skin color. His problem is that that would be seen as tokenism. So what he's worried about is not the harm he's doing to the qualified person based on their skin color. What he's worried about is that someone might think that the person that he is explicitly artificially elevating due to their skin color would be the real victim because then they wouldn't be believed. So he is creating the very system he's trying to avoid (laughs) in theory, but in practice he totally
3: is, is committed to recreating
0: it.
2: Yep. That I don't know what to say after that, Aaron, but you may give it your best shot. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, there was uh, this pastor uh, went somewhat viral after the Supreme Court ruling on affirmative action, preached a sermon the following Sunday, warping the story of Zacchaeus and Jesus and, and saying, this is an example of affirmative action in the Bible. And I laughed at that. Ha 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 ha. What an idiot. This is no different. This is no different whatsoever. It's a direct contradiction of James 2, for one, but if you want to know, if you want to really know why any of our maladies, culturally, societally, are the way they are, it's because guys like Matt Chandler are legion. What you're really witnessing there, at its heart, a guy in the pulpit who fears Man. That's the problem. He fears man. His calling is actually to be unafraid and to equip others to be unafraid. But what you're really, you know, you can talk about affirmative action. You can talk about using the the language of the the left. You can talk about the the, the social gospel of the left all you want. Yes, that's all true. But really at the heart, that's a guy who fears man. That's a guy who just fears his, his fellow man and he is everywhere he's everywhere he's in many of our pulpits and if you want to know why we are where we are it's because of guys like that
2: exit question are you more are you team pleated khakis or team sweater vest whom do you like to see rocking the mic like a normie in the pulpit Aaron team sweater vest your team sweater vest Rob what about you what's your preference
4: I always love the way a good Carlton sweater vest looks, so I'm going to go with sweater vests.
2: Indeed. Oran, how about you? It's a hat trick for sweater vests here. (laughs) (laughs) No one also wanted to be the guy that said, well, I'm checking out another dude's pleated khakis. Let's be honest about that, too. We're all looking at each other from the waist up at all times. All right. All right, let's get to our kicker question here for issue four. If you had 15 minutes in front of what is maybe the largest church in America, Joel Osteen's, and you could say anything you wanted to the assembly... What would it be, and why, Aaron?
3: You look like you are chomping at the bit. You're at the edge of your seat. Go ahead. I would just start reading "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God" and just <laughs> just read Jonathan listen, Edwards. Just listen as the droves <laughs> head for the exits. <laughs> Could you? Am- I don't even, dude,
2: dude. Just standing up there, I got something. I got something for y'all. You Just know. open it up. Just start reading Jonathan Edwards. Could you imagine the wailing? The, first of all, people looking at each other like, what is this? The wailing, the gnashing of
3: teeth. Security would come get
2: me. The bedwetting. Yeah. You wouldn't last 15 minutes. No. I mean, it would be a, a fire code hazard, a revolt. They'd have to pull you out of there. Yep. I love that answer, by the way. Rob, of course, probably has no clue what we're talking about. But trust me, Rob, it was a great oh, no, answer. Oh, I know. Okay.
4: I, I know. I, I, I've seen. I, I, I'd look behind me and I'd point to the globe circling and ask um (laughs) if anybody if they've seen a cross in the church (laughs) um that's probably the first thing that i would say and then the second thing i would say is um as pastor olstein says you know god's plan for me is to be rich um but why does he have all the money those are probably the two things that i would say
2: those are good things to say as well i would love to hear joel's answers on those things Oran, what about you
0: I mean, honestly, I, I'm not big on Olstein. Like, I know he's prosperity gospel guy, but I, I really don't know that much else about him. I, I guess I would just say, have you read the Bible at all? Like, have you cracked this thing? It's the story of people going through terrible difficulties in service of Christ, and pretending that uh, you know the story of Christianity is anything else is, seems pretty foolish. The Lord is not there to to be your piggy bank, though. But you know, you, you're there to serve Him. I guess that's about it. So you would just, just directly
2: counteract the last 25 years of sermons that church has heard basically every Sunday morning?
0: Possibly. Like I said, yeah, I that, that's essentially
2: what you would be doing. That that That's essentially what you would be doing. All right, let's get to our predictions, and Oran, I'll let you go first.
0: Uh, I'm going to go with uh, predicting that Oliver Anthony is going to be a huge star. I don't know if you guys have seen this guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's blowing up on Twitter right now. Yep. Uh, did an amazing song. Uh, I'm, I'm a big bluegrass fan. Uh, so as soon as I heard it, I, I thought it was was really great. Uh, touched a lot about kind of where people are right now. I know a lot of people are going to try to make this into, like, the, the political anthem of the year, but but I've been listening to his other stuff here that he just kind of had, like, home recordings on iTunes and stuff, and it's all great, so I, I just hope the best for him. He seems like an amazing talent.
4: That's a good call. Rob, what about you? Uh, the Colorado University Buffalo's football team will end up in the AP Top 25. under. Um, wow. Wow! From what were they two and ten last year to the top 25? Yeah, 25. they were the worst team. Yeah, worst team in the league. I, I just think, but there's nobody coming back, right? I mean,
2: they do. They've, they've like, had they've had a
4: 70 net 70 players
2: coming and going in the transfer portal since right. Dion De- took over. Yeah,
4: and Dion's just Dion doesn't lose anything he touches. He doesn't lose, and and I just think, I mean, I don't think they win the Pac-12. I don't think they go to any meaningful bowl, but I think that they end up, you know. In the twenties, in the top twenty-five, because because he just does not fail, and I've been watching the, um, you know, all their social media stuff, and they they are hungry, they are hungry. All and right. they brought in players. So
2: Rob says they coming, they coming, Aaron. <laughs> they all, right, right, coming.
3: all right, go ahead, Aaron. Donald Trump will not show up to the debate. Instead, he will do a live Twitter space with Tucker Carlson during the debate.
2: That would frankly be a brilliant idea. That would frank because it will generate two different crowds. I mean. That'll be a monster crowd on Twitter. And in fact, if they're not thinking that, they might they might be thinking it after you just said that out loud. That's a great probably shouldn't have
3: said that out loud.
2: (laughs) I'm going to predict I'm going to college football as well, man. I'm just so down about watching this banana republic unfold. I got to I got to find a happy place for the first time ever. Three teams in the same conference will make the college football playoff. Ohio State, Michigan and Penn State. Now, starting next year, this is going to happen all the time, because we're going to triple the field. It'll grow by three hundred percent. But this year, three of the four teams. And remember, last year I picked that two of the four teams, Ohio State and Michigan, would both win it, and I was right, or make it, and I was both right. This year, I think all three of those are going to make it. Georgia will be the fourth, and it will be an all SEC. It'll be all SEC, Big Ten, but three teams from the Big Ten will make the college football playoff. It's conceivable. For sure. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure. Thank you guys very much. Uh, you were more than capable fill-ins uh, for Mr. Erzin. It's always good to see both of you. We greatly appreciate uh, your work. And Oran, again, pip uh, the podcast. What can? How can people find it here on The Blaze? Real quick.
0: Absolutely. Of course, it's on Blaze, Blaze TV, The Oran McIntyre Show. You can get it on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere you find podcasts.
2: Really smart dude. Uh, definitely check his stuff out. And I guess you can follow what Rob's doing as well.
4: I'm just going to say, sign up for Blaze newsletter so I can email you our story. stories. Yes, so that's, that's that's basically. Can I get in the Blaze?
2: Can I get in the Blaze newsletter more than I am in the Media Matters newsletter right now? Can I? Can I? Is that possible? That. Huh? No, we can try that. All right, we can all do right. That. okay. Thank you guys. Good to yeah. see you. Appreciate you. All right, coming nice. back with hour two in lieu of feedback Friday, we will have a special guest, and you don't want to miss that conversation. That's coming up here next. All right, back here with hour two here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Don't forget, you can let us know what you think about what we think. Email the show, Steve at SteveDace.com, D E A C E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, TikTok and Getter. And then if you are really bored and are looking for something to do, you can look. You got to look hard. All right. I am the only man in America simultaneously being censored by Mark Zuckerberg and Donald Trump. All right. So you got to look very hard to find me on Truth Social. I mean, it's you got a sleuth. But somewhere in there, okay. despite the fact we have hundreds of thousands of people that download this show every day, you will find me and my measly 11,000 followers on Truth Social at Real Steve Days is where you can find us there on Truth Social. People keep asking me, why don't you just drop that account? I don't know. I kind of think it's fun just to keep showing up and posting there and just make them censor me. I'm just that stubborn. That's just kind of how I roll. Uh, Don't forget as well, if you like the show, we appreciate it uh, if you give us a five-star review for the podcast. Now, if you don't like it, we would not ask you to lie, of course. If you kind of like it, though, we would totally ask you to exaggerate. All right, so please, we only want one in five-star reviews, preferably more fives. Thank you to all of you that have left one of those for us. You can hit subscribe, or if you're on iTunes, you can hit follow for us as well to make sure every new episode shows up in your feed every single day also want to make sure we show up for our friends over at Preborn. Uh, They are not just a pro-life organization. They are a pro-life ministry, and they are working to the day that they are no longer needed. And and unlike a lot, frankly, of our uh, national pro-life groups, they were actually ready for a post-Roe v. Wade world. They understood that now with the issue no longer nationalized by the Supreme Court, that this was going to be more hand-to-hand combat mom-to-mom combat, looking for moms like my mom was, uh, where she was 50 years ago, 15, unmarried, pregnant, wondering what to do. Uh, They take those moms. First of all, they confront them with truth. Uh, They let them know that that is not their body. They are carrying somebody else. That's a heartbeat of another distinct human being. And over the years, about 80% of the time that they have shown a mom this, she's realized, I'm a mom. I can't kill my kid. And she hasn't done it. But they also understand there needs to be mercy and grace because it wasn't easy for my mom raising me at 15 years old. It is not easy being a mom in crisis with an unwanted or unexpected pregnancy. And so now they need support. They offer post and prenatal care, all of it free of charge, provided they've got enough funding from people like us. If you want to make your tax-deductible donation, you can donate now one of two ways. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby on your mobile phone. Pound 250 and say the keyword baby on your mobile phone or go to preborn.com slash Steve. Again, that is preborn.com slash Steve. So I mentioned we're going to have a special guest here in a moment on the program, and I'm going to do something that I have uh, never done before. Uh, I've never hidden my intentions from the audience. Um, I've always been brutally honest, provided it did not uh, interfere with a third party and confidence where that is concerned. I, I try to be transparent with you as possible. Um, and so it, it it probably won't be a surprise for you to hear what I'm about to do. And you've probably felt I was maybe leaning that way for the last few weeks anyway. But there comes a juncture where I just think uh, for two reasons. Number one, I think I think it serves the integrity of the show to just be brutally honest with people. And when you reach that point, just to come clean and not pretend that you're somebody that you're not and you're not object. You're no longer unbiased when maybe you are. That's number one. But, but the other reason is because I think we're at a very critical moment both in the history of this country and, and also in this race. And over the course of this hour, we will get into more and more why I made the decision I'm about to share with you. But if I could just distill it down for you in a matter of a couple of moments, it would just come down to a very simple premise. I have done this full time for the last 17 years. I have been involved in conservative and Christian causes all over the country. I've recruited primary candidates. I've been involved in rallying, messaging. I've done almost every nuts and bolts you can do other than just doing a show in this business. I've been a part of it. I've worked on campaigns from school board to president of the United States. And I've seen a lot of good people come and go. But frankly, I have never seen anyone that when it comes to the issues that are going to decide the future for our children and grandchildren has more knowledge more willingness more resume in understanding them what to do about them and then actually doing them I've never seen anything like what Ron DeSantis has done in Florida for the last four years I don't even personally know Ron DeSantis very well today is going to be the longest conversation we have ever had. But for the last couple of years, I would sit back and watch what went on in Florida, and I was just amazed. Like They would do the kind of things that I was like, man, if I had some time to think about it, that's what I'd suggest they do, and they just did it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. When the, when the confrontation with Disney first began, I called a friend of mine, and the governor may not even know that he is a friend of mine, a friend of mine working in the governor's office named Kyle Lamb. And I called a friend of mine named Kyle Lamb and said, man, that was pretty bold step into Disney like that. But if you really want to punish him, go after, uh, go after their financial favoritism. Go after their set-asides. And Kyle kind of chuckled and said, I don't know, Steve. I think we're probably a little ways away from that. Aaron, we came in here 48 hours later. And that's exactly what the governor of Florida did. Blew our minds. Do you remember this? I do. Absolutely blew our freaking minds. And ultimately, we can message MAGA. We can market MAGA. At some point, we have to do the MAGA, guys. We have to do the thing. And I've been leaning this way for the last few weeks. I will tell you what the absolute final straw for me was. Wednesday morning this week, I got up and there were two trending things in my feed. And the and the contrast just could not be starker. One of those trending things was Donald Trump mocking Chris Christie, which frankly, I'm usually in favor of. But in this case, he's mocking a guy that, you know, when Chris Christie came to our state of Iowa in 2016, we buried him. He was a dead political entity as he deserved. Total rhino. Dead. We put him out to pasture. Donald Trump resurrected him. Gave him a platform. Took his advice. Took his suggestion to hire his boy, Christopher Ray as head of the FBI, that they're now weaponizing against anybody that's a non-communist. And here he is mocking Chris Christie, who is only a viable political entity because he resurrected him and took his advice to make one of the worst of many poor hires Donald Trump made as president. And over here, I saw a guy get up that same morning. He was making headlines, too. But here's what he did. Somebody in his state didn't do their damn job and not just any job prosecuting hardened criminals, people that are a danger to other people. And we didn't have a, a three day tweet storm, and we didn't have 17 press conferences and threats in all caps. Justice, law, and order. We didn't do any of that. Just got up and said, as Donald Trump famously coined once, you're fired. And the difference there, the, the stark difference there, the messaging and marketing of MAGA. But now we're going to actually do the MAGA. I come from a biblical worldview. In that biblical worldview, there is a high precedent placed, precedence placed on doing what you believe. Faith without works is dead. Why do you call me Lord if you do not do what I say? At some point, we have to do the things we believe. I have never seen anyone do, in public office, anywhere in America, do more of what I believe than Ron DeSantis has. I don't need a, I don't need a partner. I don't need a buddy. I don't need a friend. I need a freaking president. I need a strong leader so we can again have a strong America to hand off to our children and grandchildren. And that is why today I invited him into the studio. I've endorsed candidates before, but I've never done it this way. I'm going to endorse Governor Ron DeSantis for president right here, one on one in our studio as we welcome him here on the blaze. It is good to see you, Ron.
1: How are you? Well, thanks a lot. Um, that, That was very meaningful and I really appreciate it.
2: Brother, you earned every word of it. You earned absolutely every single word of it. And we have a very important choice before us right now. And I, I think that there is permission to speak bluntly. I, I think within a lot of my industry where I work, there is a notion that, and I know neither one of us believe the merits of much of what is going on with Donald Trump and the judiciary, judiciary, uh, the, the DOJ. I mean, now they want to charge him, but let's have a trial during the Iowa caucuses. I mean, it's, <laughs> this thing's a fricking crock and a joke and it's a kangaroo court and everybody knows it. And, but, but I think there is this notion within conservative media and the movement, Ron, that some level of persecution of Donald Trump will wake up what we call the normies. And they'll suddenly say, you know what, after we voted against Republicans in the last three elections, finally, we've reached this point of no return. This is this has gone far enough. And 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 what what they're doing with Donald Trump has gone too far. And I'm I'm voting red in November. And I sat there on our stage at the blaze last election night thinking that that was going to happen. Trump wasn't on the ballot, so not he's no more Trump distractions. I know both of us thought people were frankly made a mistake in 2020 to say, well, let's get let's put Joe Biden in office to get rid of mean tweets. So here now he's gone. So now it can just be about the issues again. Right. And so I sat there helping to anchor our coverage of the blaze that night. And, you know, your state came in early. We, had a, we didn't have a red wave there. He had a friggin' red wedding there. Just annihilated Democrats in your state. And so we wait for the returns, Arizona, the rest of the country. And I'm increasingly getting angrier and more depressed watching the returns. The normies never showed up. And it, that kind of showed me that they're going to need more than personalities to bring them back into our fold. And I think the reason why they showed up in your state and they didn't show up in these other places, they showed up in our state in Iowa. Yeah. But where do, what do these two places have in common? strong leadership that's what they have in common when people saw strong leadership no even if it was very right wing by a lot of today's standards the normies showed up and voted for you guys and so to me it seems that we need a way of reaching these people aside from the personality conflicts that exhaust everybody we need leadership on issues that change people's lives and protects and secures our children's futures and i've seen evidence it's it's out there. I mean, it's it, you can't defeat it. The evidence of what happened in your state happened nowhere else. And I want to see what happened in your state happen everywhere else. And that's why I'm endorsing you for president.
1: Well, I remember. So election night. So we knew yeah, you know, we were going to win. We knew it was going to be very good. Uh, incidentally, I mean, there were actually some polls that said it was like tied. I know. This is such yeah. garbage stuff. Yeah. But we knew, and but we we wanted to kind of downplay expectations, so we weren't saying anything publicly. But uh, we knew it was going to be between 18 and 22 points, and so it came in, you know, big tsunami, whatever, and you know, give the victory speech, we go, and afterwards, and then some of my campaign people are like, you know, governor, this is not a red wave. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is the greatest victory Republicans have ever had in the governor. No, no, no. Florida's a red wave, the rest of the country, it's not happening. Mm. We're not We're not doing well in the Georgia Senate race. We're not doing it, Arizona's not gonna come. They were telling me all this, and I was shocked because my view was Biden was one of the most unpopular presidents in modern history. Inflation, all these problems, people by default are gonna vote against that, right? I mean, that's what I thought. And then the reality is, I think, you know, what you said, some of these voters didn't show. There's some voters that even with that, there were reasons why they wouldn't pull the trigger for us in some of these races where they would in Florida. And so what we did in Florida, we won 97 percent of the Republican vote, which, if you think about it, that's important, too, because we've got populist conservatives in Florida, business conservatives. We've even got Rockefeller re- Republic. It's not a lot of them. But to get 97 percent, we unified that, which mm-hmm. is huge. And then we won the independents by 18 percentage points. And like that is really how you win. And it's not. And I think what I proved, and it's one of the reasons why a lot of the D.C. establishment doesn't like me. I proved you can do that in a big way by being strong and governing in bold colors, not pale pastels, because they would always tell us you got to be weak. You got to kind of be, you know, contort yourself in a pretzel to follow the polls, um, that you can't be bold and actually win these voters. We showed that you can do that. And part of it is these people saw that I was willing to fight for them. I mean, during covid, when we were fighting for them. I was getting hammered, and we stood our ground. Kids are going to be in school. That's just the reality. Your governor did the same thing. Mm -hmm. Not popular at the time. People have a right to work. I'm not going to let Miami-Dade shut you down. Uh, You have a right to be open as a business. And so we leaned in. Uh, I think part of it is we were able to deliver results because I understood the different uh, pressure points. I understood my powers. I understood what I can do that maybe I'd assume some risk of losing in a court or whatever. So we were strategic about it. But at the end of the day, we were able to use our powers in a way to keep the state open. And oh, by the way, we then became the number one destination in America for tourism and people moving and wealth coming in and new business formations. But that would not have happened had we cared what the media said about us, how we were worried about the the talking heads, Fauci, any of those people. And I think the voters saw like, hey, this guy was willing to take on water for us. And when when you show people you're willing to fight for them, mm-hmm. they will come out for you.
2: I want to talk about strong leadership, and I, I want to give you a timeline, if you don't mind. So in 2000, George W. Bush, this is 21st century America. Yep. 2000, George W. Bush becomes the first president since the 19th century to claim the presidency without the popular vote. 2002, he, him, him and Republicans obtained total control in Washington for the first time as a party since Eisenhower. In 2004, he is the last Republican presidential candidate to win the popular vote. 2006, he gets annihilated in the midterms. Nancy Pelosi becomes Speaker. 2008 Barack Obama wins in a rout. Now there are 60 filibuster-proof Democratic Senate. Now we're getting into the beginning of your career. 2010 we have the rise of the Tea Party. Republicans retake the House. 2012 somehow Barack Obama turns around, wins re-election. 2014 Democrats suffer one of the worst Senate losses in a midterm in modern two-party history, a, nine, a nine-seat swing. 2016 Donald Trump wins the presidency in four states by a combined fewer than 78,000 votes, again, without winning the popular vote. Uh, 2018, Republicans lose 40 House seats. 2000, and you win the governorship in Florida. 2020, uh, we see whatever the hell that election was, and I have a lot of my own questions about it, frankly. All right, but Republicans recapture or, or actually gain House seats while Trump is losing. And then in 2022, Republicans win the House. That is an incredible amount of topsy-turviness that is a lot of vacillation by the american people in a short amount of time a lot of extremes and what it says to me governor is people are looking for leadership more than anything else. And if you look at those results, it says to me people don't like Democrats and don't trust Republicans. I don't trust Republicans will do the stuff they tell me on the campaign trail that I like. I am frankly scared as hell Democrats will do the stuff on the campaign trail that they tell me I don't like. I need leaders. I need to find leadership. And I think there's been a lot of talk on the right my whole career about what will win and expand the base and reach independence and reach this and reach that and grow a big tent. And I think in the end, we go back to a J.F. K said defeat is an orphan victory is a thousand fathers lead right. be a strong leader and people will respond your thoughts
1: Well I agree with that and clearly we showed that in Florida and you know people now talk about Florida as like we're Alabama or something in terms of how blood no one was saying that even three or four years ago Um, but we have brought people to we have had people move into the state it's interesting when I was growing up in Florida like I never saw a California license plate ever like why would you leave like Coronado or San Diego I mean it's a great place right Mm -hmm. well that's changed. And so we start seeing California license plates show up in Florida. And my voters got freaked out about that because they're like, who the heck are these people? How are they going to vote? Well, it turned out a lot of them were disaffected Republicans. Same with Illinois, New York. So, so the migration helped us. But what people don't talk about as much is the number of people in like Miami-Dade who shifted from D to R. And not just voting for me, actually becoming Republican.
2: And which issues did you sell the conservative base out to make that happen?
1: So. Zero. And in fact, huh, weird. we... um. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that helped me with Latino voters was being tough on immigration. <laughs> so I came in and did, I said, we got to ban sanctuary cities in Florida. And people said, no, 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 you can't do that.
2: In other words, they left those countries to get away from the very element we're now importing into our country. So they knew what was coming. They didn't right. want it back.
1: Yes. And so they, we were always told you, you don't do that because Florida Republican Party relies on Hispanic votes. And we, we have. And I'm like, I don't buy that. And first of all, you got to do what's right. So we did it. The media was so sure that I was like stepping in it Uh, and and then every poll they would do the number one demographic approving what we did were, were Florida Hispanic. When we did the transport to Martha's Vineyard, they try to hit me on that because some of them were Venezuelans. I was down in Doral where most of the Venezuelans live in Florida like the next week. These guys come up to me they're like, oh, we're Venezuelan. And they start giving me high fives. They're like, thank you for doing that because they think Maduro is sending some mm-hmm. of the bad people. So so all that is just like it. So we did that. And then and then, of course, strong on crime strong on education, all these things. So we've moved all those people there. And, um, and that's really, I think, something that, that can be done nationally now. To have a big realignment, You, yes, have to provide leadership and provide that, but you also have to have the opportunity where the other side is failing. And Biden is viewed as a failed president. As much as I didn't like Obama and Bill Clinton, they were not viewed at this level of failure. You really got to go back to Carter to find a Democrat president who the public had lost confidence in. So that gives us an opportunity to take a lot of voters, who have not voted for us before but realize we need a change. And the question is, do you want a candidate that's going to be able to track those or do you want a candidate that, that's going to repel them to go back to their corner when they are open to a, a message of strong leadership?
2: More on leadership here. To me, I, I, in, I think the greatest test of leadership we've had as a country at least since 9-11, but, but I would argue even more so. I mean, I mean, you were serving, so you know that people like me were told while people like you went off to war, we were told, hey, just live your lives or the terrorists win. Right. So keep going to Costco, keep going to Walmart outside of, you know, sporting events in school was canceled for about a week after 9-11. Life in America went right back to normal a week or two later, like nothing ever happened. And so unless you were a family sacrificing like yours you could just go on as if 9-11 never happened. It wasn't like other wars where the home front was like heavily mobilized and focused on supporting what was going on in war. And so I would argue, not really since Pearl Harbor, was the last time an event happened on our shores that threatened every last fabric and vestige of American life. Like you may never be able to live your life the way you took for granted again because this event happened and that event is COVID. And I think that's the greatest test of leadership that we have seen. And I will tell you, I had friends of mine that worked in the Trump White House. I'm sure you're even, you were even better connected in that world than I was. I, I pulled every string. I, I mean, I, I found people like Scott Atlas and put him on the blaze. Yeah. And, he, and he got noticed on Fox, got noticed by people like you, yeah. finally gets into the White House. And then, you know, you talk to Scott after that experience, you read his book afterwards. And basically, he could have been the lifeline that might have saved the Trump presidency. Yep. And instead, Trump just put him, locked him in a room with Debbie Burks and said, you guys just go fight it out. No, fire Debbie Burks yep. and put the guy who actually follows science in charge. And I watched you, a state of, that's with 21 million people, one of the, maybe the highest per capita senior citizen population in America. And, and so this isn't in Alabama. It's not a state that instinctively is like, we're not going to be scared on health issues, quite the opposite. And yet I watched you stand up and push back on this, play as, as large of a role as maybe any of us that were actually doing the work in the media sphere did in trying to get rid of this and defeat it once and for all. And I watched it, frankly, drown the Trump presidency, much to all of our dismay. I think all of us wish he were president right now and not Joe Biden. 100%. But he did not respond to that moment, the greatest leadership challenge of his presidency. You did. Why? What's, what's different? Why did, and I've been wanting to ask you this question for the last three years, frankly. How did you know? I mean, I can tell you what my origin story is. I mean, I, I come from a data analysis. I could just read the Imperial College survey and find out it was the, the it was full of so many fallacies it couldn't possibly be accurate. But what about you? What was the first moment that you smelled a rat here?
1: Well, first of all, I mean, I think my approach to it was, okay, you have all these health people, there's a White House task force sending down these things that everyone's supposed to implement but I'm the one that got elected to be the governor of Florida. And so I can consult with these health people uh, but I can't just subcontract out everything. I mean, I've got to be willing to make decisions. And I went back to Eisenhower's farewell address. A lot of people remember that for the military-industrial complex. He actually talked about, about the expert science
2: class yes, too, because
1: yeah. he start. You started to have federal government funding scientific research, and he said, you know, given how this is happening, there's a danger that public policy itself can be taken captive by this science. He called it a scientific technological elite, and he said that as a danger, it's the job of the statesman to harmonize all these different aspects of society. The scientific technological elite, they only care about a very narrow aspect of society, basically a Fauci. Fauci only cared about this one respiratory virus to the exclusion of the economy, to the exclusion of education, to the exclusion of your freedom, and to the exclusion of other health impacts. Mm -hmm. And so what I started seeing as we got into late March, early April, these models that we were given so you're right florida this was an existential threat to us we have almost four thousand long-term care facilities we have massive condos on the coast largely inhabited by senior citizens. Our whole economy or much of our economy depends on people being willing to travel to our state and do all that. So we're just thinking like, you know, we've got to get this right. They hand all the governors these epidemiological models. And it was basically saying, you know, in two weeks or three weeks, your hospital IHCM, system- and all those groups, Your yeah. hospital system is going to be overwhelmed. I remember the University of Florida handed me one saying all this. And the thing is, it, they were predicting- more COVID patients in your hospitals than any of us even had licensed beds. So you wouldn't even be able to treat all the COVID patients and you'd literally have no beds to treat any other patient for any other ailment. So clearly if that came to pass, that would be a big deal. So we wanted to take action to, to, to do that. But then what I would do, I would look at the data as it was actually coming in. Okay, they predicted that we would have 3,000 COVID patients you know, on April 1st. We only have 400 hmm. and then this and then that and i'm like so you okay. just follow data i'm looking at the i'm looking at the hospital data and my view was To do any of this mitigation, um, people should just be able to make their own decisions. The the justification they gave was this hospital, that if you just make your own decision, everyone else does, well, the hospitals are going to be overwhelmed, people are going to be do that. Well once that was gone, I'm like, well, okay, Well, where's the justification? Then you had the Stanford study, where Bhattacharya and these guys were doing the antibodies. Mm -hmm. And so they'd go into Santa Clara County, the health department said there were a certain number of quote, cases but there were way more people that had the antibodies. So what does that tell us? One, it told us that it had spread more than we thought. Mm -hmm. Uh, And two, it said it was less lethal than what they were saying. So you see that coming in and I'm just like, okay, this is something, you're not gonna be able to outrun this Uh, This is something that we're going to have to deal with. And you couldn't necessarily say it in those stark terms at the time because they were saying that you'd want to kill. But the reality was you had to keep society going. And I just looked at it and said, okay. Oh, and then another thing people stopped going to the hospital for heart attacks and strokes. Now, did heart attacks and strokes just magically stop happening Mm. in late March of 2020? No. People were so scared about COVID and what the media and everyone was doing, that they're suffering at home because they're being told not to leave your house. And so, and then people stopped going in for cancer checkups and all these things. They, um, the CDC was really pushing on us to suspend election, pr- elective procedures. I actually did that for a few weeks. And I'm like, and and I told, I told some of the people on my staff, I'm like, look, I think we are going to have enough hospital beds. What's the, well, we're going to run out of PPE if you do that. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. So we reinstituted that in like mid April and said, forget it. And for the rest of COVID, even when we had waves, we never meant mess with the elective procedures. Like the hospitals can handle this themselves. So a lot of what was put out in mid March, late March of 2020, uh, those models were all bogus. You know, I told Trump at the time about the, about the um um, guy from uh, Imperial College. I told him, I said, this is flawed because people were pointing it out on the internet and he called Burks in It's like, Debbie, you know, the, the, these models. And Debbie's like, oh, but Burks is like, well, you know, they're not always accurate, but, but, but. And, but he said, you know, you can't, you can't open. The governors, if they try to open, we're gonna try to close them. He, he attacked Brian Kemp on all that. But I told him personally that those were flawed models and they really were. And I think the thing that bugs me about it today No one's been held accountable for any of this stuff. Oh,
2: it bugs me quite a bit, too. I mean, you
1: you don't have a situation where, I mean, Fauci, the epidemiologist, the whole public health. I mean, to take the... I mean, like, not that I even knew about public health people, but I mean, like, what a bankrupt organization or segment of society. I mean, these people are partisan political people that got almost everything wrong. So you've had no accountability, but you've had a lot of destruction in people's lives. And yes, in Iowa, not as much in Florida, not as much because you had different policies. But kids got locked out of school for a year. There were people that were not able to see their loved ones in some of the most uh, sensitive times in life. And that wasn't government. That was hospitals were doing that. They were keeping people out. So it was um, it, it, the costs were not things that people wanted to talk about. And as a leader, I just think you had to do that.
2: Amen. And if you make mistakes, you admit it. You made some mistakes. I saw you apologize to people. We made mistakes, shouldn't have done some
1: things Well, on to the you. nursing homes, for example. So Real you know, quick, because we, we're up against okay. a brick. Well, we, sh- we shut down the nursing homes yep. because we didn't want all these seniors to die. And that's fine for a week or two, or maybe three. But as that drug on, these people didn't have connection. It hurt families. And so I said, you know, I had people coming to me. I'm like, I can't be, I can't, I have to have the human connection. But it was something that that really got to me because, you know, you're keeping people apart. And so we said, you know what, you have a right to visit your loved one in a nursing home and we made sure to reverse that and ensure that people had visitation rights in the nursing homes.
2: More with Ron DeSantis in a moment. All right, back here on The Steve Day Show, joined by Governor Ron DeSantis, who at the top of the hour here, you heard me, endorse for president of the United States. We're going to talk more about the campaign itself here in a moment. Uh, But first, uh, we are all yearning for the emergence of the parallel economy. It's coming. Just a little slower than we had hoped. One place, though, where thankfully it is fully available is with a product that all of us have to use these days, our mobile phones. Join up with our friends over at Patriot Mobile. I, I saw Patriot Mobile, by the way, last December. I saw some of their uh, mucky mucks out at, uh, at TPUSA, and they were raving about the reaction of our audience to you guys. So let's keep that going. Fantastic company. Our own family has made the switch. Outstanding customer service team. They can help you switch to any major network around the country anytime you want. All three of them for free. If you are a member, when you go to make the switch, if you're a veteran or first responder, let them know and they'll give you extra savings as a way of saying thank you for your service. For the rest of us, you can get a free activation with the offer code of my name, Steve. When you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Make the switch to America's only American mobile phone company. PatriotMobile.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 878-PATRIOT. That's 878-PATRIOT. So to recap here, I'm endorsing Ron for Ron, Ron DeSantis for president because I think he's the strongest leader in the race. I think that's proven. I've, I've just seen a level of leadership strength that I've just not seen in this era, not just in among the candidates that are running right now. And I, I look at the other three reasons I'm doing this. Uh, 22-year-old Anastasia, 18-year-old Zoe, and 16-year-old Noah. And there's no incentive for me to do this. All the incentive, by the way, in my business is for me not to do this, including all the cash incentive, frankly. But, but much more than my, my kids need me to be rich is they need, a, they need a country, and that's why I'm doing this. We have to, we, we have to lead, and, and, and we're gonna, we need to lead not on Twitter, Or whatever the hell it's called now or clicks and i love that space i have fun with it i live there but ultimately we have to lead on policy we actually govern righteously otherwise what are we doing here our enemies are very serious as i as i've been pointing out for the last few weeks it is not a joke what is happening in this country we need to acknowledge that our enemies are every bit as serious as we have not been and we need to get serious about fighting back we need strong leadership But this is now, Ron, where I want to talk about the campaign for the next few minutes, because this is where I'm going to get pushback. Well, look at the polls. Well, you know, they they, they just did another campaign reshuffling now. You know, I, I was getting wooed by Donald Trump when he ran the first time. He went through Sam Dunberg, who's still a friend of mine, Corey Lewandowski, Paul Manafort, um, and uh, ultimately Jared Kushner. He went through four campaign managers in one cycle and won the presidency. I watched John McCain have his complete campaign destroyed, and he went on and won the nomination. So it is still early August, but obviously if things were going great, you wouldn't have made the changes that you made. One of the things I hear from my colleagues a lot is... And even my own audience, I love this guy. And I think you see that your favorables are still really high. Right. But but where's the slayer of Florida? The, this messaging is eh. it's kind of eh. I, I expected this. You know, I expected Ron freaking DeSantis basically to come in like Ric Flair. Woo. You know, walk the aisle and light up the room. And and people are like, but and where is that guy? So I would be remiss because I'm going to get that question a lot. So instead of me answering it, your name's Ron DeSantis. I'll ask you that. What would you say to those people?
1: Well, look, I mean, I think just in terms of the campaign, um, everything you do you look to see what's getting return on investment if things aren't i'm a decisive leader i'm not just going to sit there and let it lag i'm going to do things uh and so we do we we're going to be very quick to make whatever changes we need to and i think you've seen that as governor uh we're willing to, to act very decisively so so that is really in keeping with that um look i think that we are um more out there now i got into the race we had some excitement and then there was the Trump indictment, and that, and you know that that blocks out everything. So my voice really kind of uh, was in the background. Uh, now we're out there. I think we're more assertive. We're getting in front of more people, um, and we're delivering a very simple message that this country is in decline. Uh, if we think we're just going to manage the decline a little bit better than the Democrats, and that's going to cut it, um, you know that's not that's not what what I'm for. We need to reverse the decline. Uh, we need to restore uh, this country, and we need a new birth of freedom, and that involves. You know, on the economy, being willing to do things like take all of Biden's regulations, chuck them out, declaring economic independence from the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, it means the border. Yes, uh, building a wall, stopping the invasion. We're putting the border patrol and the military there authorized to use deadly force against the Mexican drug cartels. These guys are breaking into the country with fentanyl, killing tens of thousands of people a year. Uh, if they try to do that when we're president, they're going to end up stone cold dead at the border. And guess what? You're going to see changes in behavior of that. I'm the only candidate that will bring a reckoning for the COVID-19 policies, NIH, CDC, uh, FDA. Uh, I was, quoted Quoted as saying that that I was gonna, um, you know, like burn them to the ground. I was not that kind in what I was saying. We are going to be very, very forward on that. Uh, We are going to take on the woke agenda. I've already nixed things like ESG and DEI in Florida. We'll do that nationally. We did a big rollout about getting the social uh, experimentation out of the military. We're going to restore the military to mission first. And then in terms of weaponization of the DOJ, I've already said on day one, Ray is gone. Some of the other candidates have said the jury's still out. Some have even said that that he's done a good job. You know, you're gonna see a major house cleaning uh, in the DOJ and in the FBI, and we've also put out, we're gonna do more on some of the way to deconstruct the administrative state, uh, but we're gonna be asserting Article II power powers in ways that other presidents have not been willing to do in recent administrations. So I think that we're hitting the issues that, that people care about. Obviously, I need to get into office before they actually see me, you know, really uh, doing what I need to do. Uh, but, but it's all there. And what I found is when I get in front of people, they're like, yeah, you know, we knew where you were a good governor. We liked you. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm for you now. So I just got to get out and I got to get it done.
2: We've got about three minutes with you. I found out yesterday, for whatever reason, Fox is not going to let you guys do opening statements at the debate. Mm. I, 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 because we want more of their reporters and less of the candidates. We're tuning in for them, I guess. Okay, I want to give you the chance to make one here. I want to give you the floor for the next two plus minutes, which is what you would get if they gave you an opening statement. And what is, what is the ultimate vision pitch that you would give the American people for where we are at right now in in this moment of history, what's at stake and and why that means they need to support you for president of the United States.
1: Our country's in decline economically, culturally, in terms of our military strength, uh, we have to reverse the decline. Now, I'm a guy who was a blue-collar kid growing up. I didn't get anything handed to me. I worked minimum wage jobs to get through school, uh, work my tail off, because I believed in America, if you make the most of your God-given ability, you can succeed. We're losing that American dream for millions and millions of people in this country. We need to restore it. I'm somebody that volunteered to serve in uniform when I didn't have to, because I believed in the greatness of this country and American strength, and yet we see our country weak and feckless. Uh, we need to revive American strength and civic pride again. And then I'm a father of a six of five and a three-year-old and my wife and I see uh, how our children have now become targets of indoctrination, how parents' rights have been attacked. Uh, we need to stand up to protect children. We need to protect parents. And then as governor, uh, I was put in a position of leadership. Most people who run for office over-promise and under-deliver. I made bold promises but I, com- I delivered on those, and I even overdelivered on our promises. So now we're in a situation where 2024, the Dems are playing for keeps. If they win, they're gonna pack the Supreme Court, abolish the Electoral College, make D.C. a state, and they are going to eliminate voter ID in every jurisdiction in this country and probably mandate ballot harvesting. Uh, we're not getting a mulligan on 2024, uh, and the time for excuses from Republicans is over. Uh, we have to get the job done, and I pledge to people, I will get the job done. We'll be able to beat Biden. But more importantly than that, uh, I will deliver on the things we all know needs to be done.
2: Final question in response to that. What do you say to some people that maybe used to cover you a lot in conservative media? And now suddenly they're like, what's a Ron DeSantis? (laughs) And they hear that and they say, Ron, I agree with every word of that. I just think the country is so far gone. We can't sell them a vision like that anymore. We have to give them a reality show. There has to be some cosmic drama. It needs to be a soap opera that the country just isn't capable of responding to that kind of sober, detailed leadership again. What do you say to that? Because Ron, that's what I'm going to hear a lot after this segment airs on the blaze i'm gonna cool. hear that a lot
1: well it's been said that you know god looks after drunks fools in the united states of america <laughs> <laughs> and so when you, when you think that there's no chance there's just something about this country i believe that god has blessed this country uh, i believe there's a great american spirit and i think that uh, it's time to summon sometimes things need to get bad before people awaken. And I think you have, we were talking about normies, right? Mm -hmm. Some of these normal Americans who aren't necessarily politically engaged, They see something's off the rocker. They know men can't get pregnant. They know it's wrong uh, to talk to a kindergartner about their gender identity and having pronouns. They know all this stuff. And I think they want a voice uh, who represents a return to normalcy and a restoration of sanity. So we have an opportunity to do it. And here's the thing. What I showed in Florida is uh, it doesn't even matter where the people are at that instant. You set out the vision and you execute, you can draw people to yourself side. Mm.
2: Governor, where can people go to follow your campaign?
1: So you can text 512345 FREEDOM to 512345 to get on our text. And then it's just rondesantis.com, rondesantis.com. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You bet.
2: All right, Aaron. I want to get your take on things before we do. Though a reminder from our friends over at My Patriot Supply: food prices now going back up again. The most expensive used car market we've ever had. Mortgages are 86% higher than they were pre-COVID. Rent 25% higher than it was pre-COVID. Uh, new car purchases the most expensive they've been since 2007. That is not a good trend, folks. Make sure you're ready. You're prepared. Uh, Make sure you've got the three-month emergency food kit for a limited time. Right now, you'll save 25% off per kit, not the bill, per kit. Even bigger savings. Plus, free shipping as well. Ships fast and free to you. Stays good for up to 25 years with proper storage, breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks. The full complement of the 2,000-plus calories that you and everyone in your household needs to know that you are ready should Let's Go Brandon continue to Let's go, Brandon. 16 types of meals and sides for variety as well. Preparewithdace.com. Again, this is where you want to go. Preparewithdace.com. Now, I'm going to have more to say about this endorsement for me on a personal level on Monday's show. But for now, Aaron, I really want to just kind of focus on the exchange with the governor and your thoughts on the conversation that him and I had. And you get to be the instant reaction one-man ad hoc focus group to close us out.
3: So, Jonah Goldberg, formerly of National Review, went viral yesterday. He said, basically, large dollar uh, donors to the GOP are more smart and strategic in their thinking. Whereas small dollar donors, i.e. us peons out here in the cheap seats, they just think reactionally and emotionally. Essentially what he's saying is, I'm really mad that I don't control you peons anymore. Mm um asa hutchinson this morning saying pretty much the same thing on uh, msnbc of all places there's been a lot of talk about candidate quality from people like from the likes of of jonah goldberg and and the asa hutchinson's of the world especially after 2022 we didn't have a lot of quality candidates usually what people like jonah goldberg mean oh, actually ubiquitously when they talk about candidate quality is this person going to kowtow to the swamp when I need them to? Or when Raytheon or Lockheed Martin come and say, need some more money, start a war, are they going to be able to do that? that? That's what those people mean by candidate quality. However, that does not mean that candidate quality is not a real thing. It is. It's just not what most people think it is or say it is. To me, candidate quality is a three-legged stool. Number one, does this candidate for elected office have a worldview that is capable and informative for X, Y, and Z? Do they see the world the way that I do or through a biblical worldview lens, which is what we're trying to do on this show? Do they possess that? Because they can be a lot of things, and they, they could do, maybe, the likelihood goes down if they don't have a biblical worldview, but they could do some good things. But if they don't have that biblical worldview, when March 16th or 20th, whatever it was, 2020, comes around, do they have the wherewithal, the eyes to see and ears to hear, to lead, and to do what's right? So worldview, number one, that trumps all. It's clear to me. That Ron DeSantis, and that's not just on some level, explicitly possesses a worldview that is in line with what we have been trying to do on this show ever since, ever since you started, Steve. Ever since I've gotten here. Trying to make a biblical worldview m- mainstream. It, to me, it's clear that he possesses that. The second, the, the second uh, leg on the three-legged stool Does he possess knowledge of the issues and the ability to articulate them that the average person can understand? That is exceedingly clear in Ron DeSantis' case. He absolutely—I mean, just listening to his banter off the air, the guy is immensely knowledgeable— But it's not in a wonk type of way. He's able to articulate the real issues. You talk about Disney or uh, ESG, he's talking about boiling them down in ways that average people can understand. So that is immensely clear that he has knowledge of the issues and is able to articulate them. And number three on my three-legged stool is record. And I don't really need to say much more than that. He has a record in Florida that is impeccable. The only knocks on his record are what he has admitted to. And it's essentially the biggest mistake that he ever made was listening to the Trump White House during COVID, at the beginning of COVID. But unlike Trump, and unlike the vast majority of governors in this country, the vast majority of leaders in this country, when it was clear, immensely clear, that things were headed the wrong direction... He was able to go to data and lead on good data. So those are my, that's the three-legged stool of candidate quality. I think he possesses each one of those three legs. The problem is, unfortunately, I think there's a three-legged stool that most voters see. Charisma. Charisma is first, marketing, and then maybe, if we get around to it, knowledge of the issues. So that's the environment I think that we're in and that he's up against but um, it's encouraging to hear and i'll just i'll end with this he's stated on multiple times we're just going to do what, what's right and let the chips fall where they may what more could you ask for
2: and for that all the reasons you articulated is why i did what i did today even though there's there's no incentive for me to do this on any professional level just on a on a moral one. And professionally, I've always put that incentive and that calling ahead of the financial one. John 317.
0: This is Steve Dace.
3: On the Blaze Radio Network.